I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm off because I'm yes, opening these biscuits. The I honestly, genuinely, I don't know how what that'll do for the sound, but I am firing straight into. Just make people jealous. Uh, I know Belgian white need chocolate a cup cookie. And a sort of spoon to make well, quick. yes, some mellow like birds. One? I'm yeah. fine just now. Oh, wow. So thank you, horse, for joining us, and thank you for bringing cookies. Oh, I know Belgian milk chocolate. Oh, You've definitely right. gone to the top of the list of guests. Thank you. There we go. It's the first thing I, we've ever been given. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you just it always makes people sweet. Mm-hmm. It does. It's, and I love my food. So at the end of the well, day, you know. And also, if you're hiding something that you don't want us to probe, that's a good kind of... <laughs> Have another biscuit. <laughs> so you're on tour at the moment. I'm literally coming to the very last show, the, the culmination of the tour. And you were saying it's a long story. Yeah, wow. very long story. Mm-hmm. begin? Oh, sure. <laughs> How long has the tour been on? Um, over the, the whole course of it has been over... Uh, March, April, May, June. So it's been over three and a half months okay. or something like that. But it's not consistently. There's, there's 18 shows plus one extra in Edinburgh. So it's like 19 in total. Mm. Where are you in Edinburgh? Queen's Hall. Hall. Yeah. yeah. Great we, I like playing the Queen's Hall. But I mean, basically, after lockdown, I mean, this tour has been transferred and rescheduled mm. three, mm. some of the shows four times. Uh, Christine Bovel was saying yeah. the same. Yep. You know, and it's just thing. You know, do we put an announcement out because they didn't? You know, we didn't know, and all this kind of uh, stuff. Well, the other thing is, is like it's. It, I do everything for myself, so it was me right. having to reschedule every time. And if you can imagine, you've got shows as you know as far down south as Brighton, and then yeah. shows as far up as Inverness. Yeah. And sometimes you're having shows that were, and I was like, no, I, I was uh-huh. scheduling it was a nightmare. But the psychology of it all was was awful because for mm-hmm. me, singing is my. Um, exercising of any demons or or how mm-hmm. I feel about things. So not being able to play live was destructive, really difficult over the COVID period. But then not worse than that, but equivalently is just as bad as that. Going out on tour, I was expecting myself mentally and physically to do two, three shows in a row, two hours each night. And my voice That's really struggled. My voice really struggled. Now, some people know I'm a really big singer. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't ask Pavarotti to do more than two or three songs. You know, I'm doing like 19, 21 songs every night, exhausted, lots of travelling. Um, so by the time we got to London, which was our ninth show, I think, eight or ninth show, I wasn't feeling great. I was tired and we did London, went to the hotel and about four o'clock in the morning I had pains in my chest. I thought, no, this is fine. No, I'm fine. Oh. No, I'm going to be fine. And uh, it got worse and worse, and I thought, oh, and I was pacing about, and and I was in a twin with uh, Gemma, my keyboard player, and uh, I thought, I don't want to disturb, I don't want to disturb. But she's a little princess; she wears a little mask when she goes to bed. You know, <laughs> you know I, thought, I don't want to disturb Gemma. Besides which, she chats, she chats more than me, so we didn't get to bed till two. But anyhow, long story short, I phoned one 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 because I thought I'm not going to phone nine nine nine. And uh, at one point she's saying, so the pain, where is the pain? I said, it's right, right where my diaphragm is and up through my chest and radiating across. Um, and when I said diaphragm, she said, so it's in your throat. And I was like, eh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyhow, she said, where are you? And I said, the hotel. And she said, where's that? 
And I said, I, I, I actually just, I couldn't, the pain was so bad. I said, I, I can't, I don't know. And she went, can, can you, put, and so she moved on to me giving her more directions of what was wrong with me. And then I said, I, I actually got my phone out, Googled. I said, Where am here's I? the postcode. I thought, what the hell, why couldn't you? Anyway, yeah. long story short, an ambulance eventually came for me. And I went to Charing Cross Hospital and oh, I was yeah. there for 14 hours. Different, different tests and things. But I was allowed out at the end of it because it wasn't my heart. Um, I have a, a hiatus hernia, which had gone from my stomach up into my chest. Like, you know, so... so does hiatus mean travelling? It, it's a sliding one I've mm. got. Right. Because um, I, I know that um, Terry Hatcher had a wandering spleen. Yeah, I know. It's, oh! <laughs> what oh, bits of your body born. can just... Wandering <laughs> <laughs> spleen. Um, yeah, so there's that going on and various other things. So um, what was... Fantastic was they give, give me every test. I went out and we, we cancelled a couple of shows, Cardiff mm -hmm. and Liverpool, which are now back in for November. But I came home and there an appointment for an MRI in London appeared. Right. And I thought, well, they're really being very thorough here. And I had that kind of moment of, will I go, will I not go? And I thought, do you know what, for me to get an appointment up here. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm glad I went. I went down to London one day and stayed over and came back up. And I've had all the results back. I've got my reports. I've actually got the imaging as well. Wow. Photographic so, evidence. Yep, everything. So I'm now on a fast track for consulting. Um, so what do they do about that then? You can have keyhole surgery, which right. is supposed to repair it, mm -hmm. but mine is a large one, apparently. Four. So, <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> I know. So are you still in pain? Is it a constant pain? I, or are you? Yeah, I've got to, I'm supposed to not. Uh, there's things I'm not supposed to eat. And drink mm -hmm. and um, I, for the first sort of three weeks afterwards, I was very, very careful and it was great. I, I did feel better, but I just it, it affects it's like anything, it's like you eat anything, it causes the acids go up. Yeah, so that could have been reason for any problems with my voice because I lost some of my voice, you know, various things. And is it is it because you pushed yourself too much too quickly after well, when you not sing, being... you use your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. It's not the female device. It's a the physical band that yep. it's underneath your ribs, and it's the sort of engine of your um, air going into your co up through yeah, into yep. your cords. So um, the diaphragm, uh, I was using it considerably throughout because I sing properly. So mm -hmm. I use my diaphragm consistently. So two hours singing, my diaphragm going up and down, and eating not very well, well. and eating late mm -hmm. or not eating at all sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the travelling, because everything's out of sync then, isn't tired. it? You're, yeah, you're it's home. very tired. So Body I was actually clock. putting myself under phenomenal pressure. Mm. Um, all of the shows and um, all of the extreme physical uh, work, uh, it just completely uh, hit me. And then... The, the guys in the band are all laughing. They're going, well, we were, we were fine. My my keyboard player had ended up with um, shingles. My keyboard, my uh, bass player had gout. Very popular through lockdown. So many know, people got gout. Got, well, she's got Meniere's disease and it was the tablets that gave her it. So to give her nothing What's to do with Meniere's alcohol. What's Meniere's disease? Meniere's is, uh, affects the inner ear and your balance. And, and sometimes you just, you're completely, you just cannot... Or like laboratory Like mm. that, but, but uh, something that's not Labyrinth. short term. Oh, wow. It's, it's, she, she's got that forever. Um, so, yeah, anyway, we, she got gout through the medication. So then we come back, back to, from the, uh, the English leg, we get back home and um, I could hear my, uh, the, the guy who's doing Rodian and stuff, I could hear him sniffling. <gasps> I'm a guitarist sniffling. And I haven't met, I usually meet fans after shows. I go and chat with mm. them for hours and I haven't been doing it this time. And uh, they were all, well, no, we're fine. I said, I said are you sniffing back there? <laughs> and they said, no, no, no. Well, the next day, uh, we've got COVID. And mm. I was like, oh, my God, we all had COVID. Apart from my keyboard player, we all had COVID. So I had to cancel Perth, my Perth show. And that was another sort of like 14 days of not being well, lying in bed, not being well, back out again, voice not quite right. Um, and... It really is only the last sort of four shows that my voice has come back. I was playing in Dundee last weekend and it was just, I'm back. Oh, lovely. What a back. nice feeling. Well, for me, singing is, it's since I was a child, since I was a teenager, singing was a real um, way of venting things for me. You know, like a lot of people, I was attacked physically, mentally as I was growing up um, because of what I looked like. Um, and... You know, I would go home and I'd sit and sing in my back bedroom and that would be my comfort and my release. That's when I began to write songs. 
So for me, not being able to sing no, is absolutely. an absolute Well, nightmare. because it is, it's that, it is that outpouring in that way of, well, it's, it's the way of coping, isn't it? Well, I do also, the same with the laughter. I mean, it's just I get great joy from it and, mm -hmm. and the audience get great joy from it. There was a, I've said this a few times in interviews. I mean, people shout all the time, not like get off or anything, but you know, <laughs> it's usually, the, the, the thing is the audiences have been so excited to see us play. Mm -hmm. This album is the 30th anniversary, bleep bleep, 32nd anniversary. <laughs> um, and uh, the joy for people in that album, it, it was the backdrop to their lives, you know. Mm. But there was a moment we were at Carnegie Hall and it was just all going really, really well. And 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 as you know, you, you're, you're performing. This. It just suddenly goes into a sort of lull, natural lull, when I'm not talking. Mm. <laughs> it sort of goes into a little lull. And this voice sort of spoke up. And I had, I've got in-ear monitors and I'm, what did he, say? he said something about, he said horse. And I'd been bemoaning the fact about, you know, you know, my usual, it's no fair. You know, mm. here we are again, 30 odd years later. Now it's time, now it's time. And this this guy said, he said, "Horse, your music saved my life. <gasps> you have no idea. You have absolutely no idea, horse. So thank you." And the audience went, oh, "You know." And I was, and I thought, "What do I say to that?" And I said, "Well, do you know what? When I was growing up, it was a gift to me to be able to sing mm. and release all of this stuff that I had. And all that's happening is I'm paying it back. I'm giving it back. And friends of that guy messaged me and said, you 'You've no idea how.'" that difficult that was for him to speak up yeah. and important for him to say that. And it's just, I have this relationship with fans, mm -hmm. which is not, it's like, um, it's not otherworldly, but it's it's like something is going on that I don't understand. Do you think that's to do with the fact that you are at the risk of me sounding like a tosser, completely authentic, and that comes out in your work mm -hmm. in as much as you talk about your struggle? I mean, you're from Newport, aren't you? Newport, I was born in Newport and Tay. Born in Newport and Tay. I was brought up in a town called Lanark. Right, Which okay. is right in the middle of, uh, top end of Lanarkshire. Yeah, of which Valley. again isn't necessarily the most... Salubrious, forward-thinking, shall we say, for ladies of our persuasion, for want of a better. Yeah. So you do, and I know that people think it's a cliche, but you do carry around a lot. And when we were at school, there wasn't what there is now in terms of support. You know, there's still a long way to go, but there was bugger all back in the day. So if you're up there singing and people can see that as opposed to someone with choreography, mm -hmm. backing tapes, yeah. a light show, yeah. costume changes, which is all fabulous, you know, all has its place. But if someone can see that naked authenticity and they can identify, mm -hmm. it's like these people that always say, if I can reach one person, mm -hmm. then I've done That's, my job. I've always thought that, that if I can reach just one person, but I'm finding more and more as time You've goes reached on. A few. I've reached quite a few people and, um, you know, I hear the same thing. I say, oh, there was no one when I was growing up like me. There was no one for me, a role model, whatever. I'm hearing people like, there's a folk artist called Grace Petrie saying, there was no one like me when I was growing no. up. And this is a younger generation. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. well, all of us have been through that phase where mm -hmm. there aren't enough Nothing. people who are like you um, or who may be like you. Um, that look like you, that maybe behave the same way as you. I think it's the case that there are these people, but no one had the confidence to be visible because I think I always remember being told in, in Dundee that there were benchmark homosexuals, right, growing up. One was a guy who I'm convinced was a mass murderer who used to work on the makeup counter in Arnott's called Brian <laughs> Cavan. Then there was a guy, Robbie McNichol, and then it seemed to fall to me, if you see what I mean. And I remember being at different school events and people were like, oh, are you that half boy, half girl from Harris? So we've heard about this yeah, and we've heard yeah. about that and that's what I'm saying that anyone because the amount of people that I met in my adult life who went well, you know I was gay as well and the thing is it's not necessarily about being gay it's about the adversity or overcoming the adversity whatever that is whether well, it's that's the difference isn't it people, yeah. people especially at a younger age are scared of people who are different but from them I think that the um Sexuality in particular, and now gender, sexuality is something that's about, ooh, misses, a little mm -hmm. bit ooh, risky, you know, and especially when we were growing up, you wouldn't really talk about sex, never mind yeah, absolutely. being well, interested in someone of the same um, sexuality as you. Um, but, I, you know, I had an interview with Matt Cain uh, last week. Um, I went to see him and had a chat with him. And he has the same story. Mm -hmm. that A lot of us have this same story where you're like the... The what was what the baton carrying person? Yeah, 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 yeah. For someone like in the music industry, mm -hmm. there have always been characters who never were out, 
like your Elton Johns, like your George Michaels, not mm-hmm. publicly, which made them safe, which made them all right. Jimmy Somerville and I, we were a bit like the the navvies, mm-hmm. the non-glamorous artists. And I, I feel slightly, I used to feel slightly aggrieved about people like Elton John, like people like George Michael, because they didn't have to... Um, you know, stand up there and suffer those things. Deal with the heavy lifting. And do you think, though, as well, that they were slightly disingenuous because the level of success they had, they wouldn't have lost it? Do you well, think you they see, were with hindsight, coward? you can say that. No, I wouldn't say that they're cowardly because I, I, I can understand someone not wanting to be thrust into a position they can't control Control-ed, because it's, yeah. it's, it's worse now than it ever was. Mm-hmm. But um, I, f- I know a couple of major artists who are gay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention any names. Okay, I'll admit it. It's me. Thank you. <laughs> singers. Singers, singers. But isn't but, that but, so but sad? I look at that and I go, your life must be... I don't see you... I cannot... Maybe I could be wrong, but in my opinion, if you're not yourself... Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, how difficult must it be to conceal yourself the mm-hmm. whole time? I think it must be hellish. It like, must be an awful way to because live. Because it's living a lie. It's also that thing of... You know who? I mean, you must be honest with some people, but you're not honest with other people. So the 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 the, the fear of conflict exposure as well. Yeah, but the conflict that must go on in your mind all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, look, Emily Sandy's just come out, right? Yes. And I think that the way that she has come out, inverted commas, has been it's just been a wee blip, mm-hmm. you know, which is great because it's you know people have recognised her for the the talent that she has, mm-hmm. for the person that she is. But part of me is like, oh, you know, come on, I've been here all this time, you know, and, and I put a message up going, come yeah. on, come on in, Sandy, uh, yeah, Emily, yeah, the water's nice. fine. Um, but I've, me as someone like Jimmy Somerville, who is now, you know, I mean, I continually have to flag myself up because you go missing in action because you're not controversial. Yeah. You know, your time has come and gone, but, but, the other thing that's happening for me, there was the fact that I was a lesbian. And secondly, I was a woman. Um, and thirdly, the thing that's happening to me now is age. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, hello. I hear you. Well, all of us. I mean, yeah. you know, and there's this, there's a lot of ageism, you know, and, and favoritism towards the youth or whatever. And and so for me, what I'm doing now is, is like, here I am all these years later. I sing better than I ever did. Mm-hmm. I'm working on my new album. and And this is my time. It yeah. should have been 30 years ago, but it's Absolutely. my time now. But the fact that you have stuck your head above the parapet and the frustration that people haven't followed necessarily, but also it's exhausting to have to keep doing it. I know, but totally. The point with you saying about, well, use Philip Schofield mm-hmm. as an example. Maybe he wasn't capable of having his head above the parapet. You have to remember, now I'm not saying, I think it's up to the individual. Personally, no, I, I never came out, oh, right? I, I never came out because everyone knew, you know, my mum, yeah. I mean, God, she's 81 and she's still, <laughs> and you're like, I used to do Tootsie for you with a biscuit tin on my head on a Saturday night because you had a late child. That isn't normal for young boys that like football, if you see what I mean. But the fact of the matter is that not everyone in it has, I'm, I'm not saying it's right, but they don't have the thick skin. Mm. And also as well, a lot of people are like, oh, I could, I could do that or I could have the career. And that's very appealing to a lot of people, if you see what I, I think mean. You're right. I, I'm not against people concealing themselves. No. I just cannot understand. I could, the phrase that I use is, we've got a song, Never Not Going To. And, and I always say that I'm ne- I could never not be mm-hmm. myself. No. I've struggled. I, would, I never tried to conceal myself because I could not, be anything else, but there are people who are the other way around, you mm-hmm. know. And um, like well, you that, said, it must be hard. That's one of the reasons Bruce and I get on so well, and one of the things we talk about a lot is that because we can't help but be anything but ourselves, and that can sometimes, uh, you know, rattle people or make people uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. people sometimes would just like us just to not be exact, be ourselves. But the, the funny thing is, and going back to the gay thing, which we, we will move on. And it's interesting. So I have a niece and nephew who I'm very close with, and um, particularly my niece. And I um, 
she was telling me about a conversation that she had at work and it was this girl in her office and she went, oh, you were saying that you were a young girl. Does he have a, does he have a girlfriend? And my, my, my niece just burst out laughing. She went, my uncle is the type of gentleman that will never take a wife. <laughs> and everyone else in the, the office got it because we'd been at a Steps concert. So you kind of think, fill in the blanks <laughs> for it. But it was so interesting growing up because my niece and nephew used to come through and it was me and my partner and the dog. And we used to take them to 24 hour Asda with the pyjamas on to get pizzas in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, and they loved all fabulous. that. And it was the fact that many, I remember because we see each other all the time, we go drinking and all that kind of stuff. And we do other things. Tonight we're going to body pump. That's how diverse we are as an uncle and niece. <laughs> but she always said, I always knew and it never bothered me. And she said, I remember friends asking me, do you think? And she said, no, I don't think I know. Mm. And he's my uncle. What does it mm -hmm. matter? And I think, unfortunately, societally, which I love saying because it makes me sound intelligent, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are, like, I always knew I was and I never thought I could be anything else. And I've never had a problem with that. It's always other people that have had the problem. Um, but but do you think that sometimes there are, there are some people who are gay who have it's for internal <laughs> they have eternal they've got internalized homophobia yeah. where they've taken on the mantle of this is wrong and yes. they can't get rid of that themselves it's it, it's like the fact that people find it hard to come out to their parents for example because they're afraid of what they're going to say but when the parents are like well we always knew mm -hmm. But then you don't come out as a heterosexual. You never came down the stairs no. and said to your mum, I'm a heterosexual. <laughs> it's interesting what you talk about yeah. internalised homophobic because I can be a bit homophobic because of the way some people, and I'm talking, thank you, some people, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, she needs handling. <laughs> slash put down. Um, but it is you that thing that I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. And based on what we've discussed today, she keeps an ashtray in her pocket, we'll move on. She's manky. But the fact of the matter is, now I've lost my point because Sorry. you've ruined it all for attention. <laughs> but, oh, for God's sake. No, I would have come down the stairs and then I should have... No, 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 no. You no, didn't no, have no, to no, say no, no. that you were heterosexual. No, 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 it, it wasn't that. It was about being homophobic. Thank yeah. you. Feel free to edit her out of my life. Um, <laughs> I am because of the way some people play that. Like, I have friends and they're younger than and they're quite heterophobic. Why are they in here? And you're like, whoa, mm. that has to stop. And See, I identify with what you're talking about because I think a lot of people presume that the greatest part of my audience is gay. Mm. No. Actually, the greatest part of my audience are, is a lot of men, a lot of couples who are straight. And, and uh, what is like maybe the average in this country, 20% are maybe gay. It also mm. depends where I'm. One of but your Scotland, they're, they're mostly... Biggest fans in Scotland is a guy called Jim Hendry, who you met in my house, and he lives in Newport on Tay, and oh. he was so excited because um, me, his wife, my sister, sister-in-law, and my niece, we have, um, we're called the Biancas because they want to go and see Mary Mac and Drag. It's a long story. <laughs> well, it's actually, that was a very short story. He was like, oh, I can't believe that you got an interview. And I said, but Jim, you met her in the house. Mm -hmm. um, and I know where were you at the rep in Dundee we played at Dundee yeah 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 so they, they were there and he just and he you know two kids wife all that kind of stuff and I think people assume just because you happen to be that that's your MO or that's your fan base or whatever but it's funny when when I I, I when I first started to perform I was like the typical person from it I was like I would have my guitar mm -hmm. or I'd be holding standing with my mic hand holding the microphone and standing hugging the microphone now I, I can only describe it as being Christ-like sort of my arms are open wide and I'm very open with the audience and the first thing that comes into my head I say it mm -hmm. I talk very openly with them and I'll do silly asides like I said you know I'm actually <laughs> and you know, and, and things like that, and everyone laughs because anyone in that audience, um, man, woman, straight, mm -hmm. gay, would punch somebody mm -hmm. if they thought they were going to hurt me, mm -hmm. because they've got my back. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in the audience is, I'm not, I'm performing as a human being mm -hmm. with all the emotions and the passions and joys, sadness, hurt, and they have empathy with it. Mm -hmm. It's like when I did the play. There was a play that I did. Uh, I wrote with Lynn Ferguson, it's called Careful. And um, I think people presumed it would be me, chat, chat, sing a wee song, chat, chat. No, mm. it was major things that happened in my life. Um, and I think people were completely, whoa, blown away. And they had empathy, not for someone who was gay. It was about someone trying to find their voice, which is a human thing. And, the, and it's the, a survival thing yeah, as well. Totally. And I think a lot of people identify with that. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you come from... 
a marginalised background, whatever that is, it can be being a woman in some cases, it can be your ethnicity, it can be your sexuality. If you have had to, you'll know that, you know, go through life, again, in the face of adversity, people identify with struggle. Yeah, yeah 100%. And it is that emotional thing. When you were saying about that, that guy saying, you know, <laughs> your horse, you save my life. And it is that. It's when you make that connection with somebody on an emotional level and just that's the joy Weirdly, of going through a struggle is knowing yeah. that your emotional struggle can help other people's. But I also think that um, just just being yourself um, and 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 reaching out to people, the more I do it, the more that people receive me, mm -hmm. and they don't mm -hmm. care, they don't give a shit mm -hmm. who I am, um, you know. Um, and it's it's been a struggle to get to this point musically, but I feel like I'm I'm. This album that I'm working on just now, it feels like I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I, I tell this, I've been telling this story years ago. Um, our tour manager was Spoon, John Witherspoon, and our sound man was a guy called Mark Holly. And uh, I'd lost touch with him after he stopped working with us. Um, and then and then he became Tori Amos's manager. And Mark Holly married her. <laughs> the sound man married her. And the first time I met Tori, I was the the advantage is I get to meet Tori mm -hmm. almost every time she's up, of course, in Spoon and, and Mark. But um, I, I, when I first met her, I was chat chatting, and I was given the old bloody money mini. It's no, it's, it's no, it's no fair, you know. You've got John now, and you've got Mark, and oh, and she was just sitting looking at me. <laughs> and before I left the room, she hugged me. I can almost like feel the saliva in me as she said, mm. "When is your turn? Don't be afraid." Oh, and I was like, oh, "What does she mean?" <laughs> and now I understand because I'm ready. About. I was never ready. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of what would happen to me. I stuck with the band. I should mm -hmm. probably have moved mm -hmm. on. So many different things that I've stuck with what other people wanted to do, and that's my turning around. I'm doing what I want to do fully now. And I saw Tori Amos about a month ago when she, one of the first shows she did was in Glasgow, and I went to see her. She lives in the UK, doesn't she? Cornwall, between Cornwall, Cornwall and uh, I think New York. Right. But um, yeah, they've got a lovely place in, in Cornwall, big studio. Um, anyway, I, I said, I don't suppose you remember me, you saying to me uh, this? And I said to her, and she went, no. And and I said, well, I'm ready. I'm ready, Tori. And she went, you go, girl. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, Ricky Lake. That's the other thing that you find out quite a lot, often is that people have said something or I've said something to people and they don't remember saying it, but it has no, such oh, an impact. A big impact in people mm. totally. And I do think as well on that sort of emotional connection level, and it's like, this is my theory, but I'm sticking with it. Sometimes I, I meet people that I'm not emotionally connected with and I realise <laughs> they've not been through enough shit. And sometimes I think people need to go through shit in order to emotionally connect with the world. But, but the, 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 the life lesson I'm at at the moment is, um, you know, it doesn't matter how bad the relationship, it does matter, the mm. bad relationship you're in. However, it's how you deal with the, it, how you respond to it. You know, so I've I've been through three very difficult relationships and out now, thankfully. And, and I'm now like going... Well, they were horrible, mm. but why on earth did I put up, up with that? Because yeah. it's where familiarity, I and I think the unfortunate thing is, I remember it was... And we always think we can change people. I'm talking. Sorry. It was Eamon <laughs> Holmes that actually said to me, he said, humans will hang on to anything, even if it hurts them yeah. or holds them back, because it's familiar and they can identify that. And I remember speaking to Karen Dunbar last year. She'd done a documentary that I was in, and then I was cut. And uh, <laughs> she was talking about the fact that, I think, is she 50 this year or something? I was 50 mm. last year and it's the first time that she's been on her own properly yeah. and she can devote this time to mm. herself and find out actually who she is she's much more than just a pair of nostrils that was on on a Friday night you yeah, know for all totally. those years if you see what I mean so is that where you think you are with, yeah, with yes, your life yeah. not that I'm saying you were ever a pair of nostrils no, no I, and they are beautiful I, I, by the way I, I, they're flaring away I, 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 um, I was just literally in touch <laughs> with Carden uh, today um, I think uh People's perception of you, it doesn't matter what it is. You have to have a hold of your own perception yeah. of yourself because you can get lost. You know, uh, you know. for years it was like, there's horse, cult, lesbian, singer, songwriter from Lanark. That was my tagline. Mm -hmm. But you didn't see like Elton John, gay uh, guy yeah. from, you know, yeah. you know, they, you didn't see any of that stuff. But Jimmy Somerville was the gay, gay boy from Maryhill. Yeah. You know, it, it, we seem to get these tags 
So we took up that, um, that was our thing, our, what is it you call it, unique? What is it? USP. USP, unique selling point. And you're like, no matter where I went, whatever I, whatever I did, I would do an interview with somebody, go, okay, we'll put you in the gay section. Now, no disrespect to gay people. Yeah. I am one. Um, but let's face it, you know, I, I want to be recognised globally as an artist, you know. But the idea but, of being living up to other people's perspective of you, and I'm guilty of that. I live up to other people's perspective because I'm. we both do, sorry, um, of... You know, the drunken kind of, you know, vicious yeah. drunken, you know, people think we're rude and all this kind of stuff. And we are, but that... But, you know, for me to get on a stage, this is something I've realised recently. I, I go on a stage, I become Horse the singer, mm -hmm. you know, and I sort of step onto that stage and I pretend I'm a global superstar. Now, people think I'm okay, obviously, but in my own head... I am a superstar and I go out there and I become this larger than life personality. Um, I'm not really much different when I go off stage, but to actually be up there and saying, saying to people, look at me, mm -hmm. um, when, when part of me is going, don't look at me, mm -hmm. look at my inner, look at my tire, it's got bigger, uh, you know, look at my love muffins, you know, it's like, don't look, you're going, look at me, don't look at me. But when I'm up there, I'm completely um, confident and uh, in control and it's just such an amazing place to be. Um, so I myself have to enact something to to be able to do that. So how does a lesbian from Lanark end up with Tina Turner, another survivor? Oh. <laughs> well, do you know what? This is there's a, a real funny story attached to Tina Turner. I'm probably one of my worst Jimmy moments in my life. There's two things with Tina Turner. I um we we our German label, Earth, her boyfriend, who the guy was in charge of um, uh, EMI Electrola in Germany. And uh, first time I shook his hand, he nearly broke it. It's just really, just really big chap. And um, we got the offer to open for Tina Turner because obviously it was his girlfriend, now his wife. Um, so we got to do that tour. And for us, it was like, oh, oh my God, a couple of wee people from Glasgow, oh my God, touring with a world, a global superstar. And uh, it, it was um, hard because you're playing to tens of thousands of mm. people and you've gone from, you know, clubs of 400, 500 at the most because we toured with BB King as well before this. So anyway, one of the, I don't know where we were, but I'm, I'm a, I like to do things properly. And um, I thought I can't keep going on stage every night talking to all these German people in a, a broad Scots accent. I must try and say something to them. So, um, <laughs> and my, my best German accent, I walked out into th tens of thousands of people and ensured to go in mein Deutsche is scheiße. <laughs> Which means, excuse me, my German is shite. Yeah. But they all began to boo. And oh. I thought, what have I said? Oh, no. And it was only afterwards they're going, oh, Raus, no, what did you do? Oh, Tina, Tina, Raus. And I was like, what the hell have I said? I realised what they must have heard was, ensured to go in Deutsche is scheiße. Uh -huh. Excuse me, Germany is shite. <gasps> so um, I never tried it again but that was one of my worst things with Tina Turner <laughs> um, the absolutely worst thing was I was desperate to meet her desperate to meet her and um, I never met her I never met her the whole time and then maybe four months later we were in the States doing promo stuff and there was myself George guitarist and Angela fellow songwriter um and we were doing these sort of interviews. It was just like a big telephone, basically, with buttons on it. And it was like we were talking to different press. And this guy's, hey, you guys, you getting to meet Tina? And I was just about to go, no, when both of them chipped in. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times I was like, what? How did you meet her? How Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, apparently she came into the dressing room several times. So when she was coming into the dressing room, I was looking for her. I was wandering oh, around the corridor no, looking for you weren't her. present in your own moment. Wow. Oh. So lesson learned. Be present in the moment and you'll meet Tina. <laughs> Stay in your own Stay dressing room. Stay in your own dressing room. Wow. And the star will come to you. You know that there is an act in London called Tina Turner Tea Lady. No. So I, I can hook you up. If, if that would do. <laughs> if that would do. I've met a, a, and have you still never met her? No, no. I've met a looky likey Shirley Bassey, which was. Oh, fun. haven't we all love her? <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my bed. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear. So, I mean, that that is. Um, I, I come from a place where I, I'm, I'm just a wee daft. I'm a daft fangirl and I, I just adore certain artists. And, um, you know, I got to meet. Um, Various different people. Um, I, I've managed to get tickets for Barry Manilow next. Um, oh, next my week. sister and niece are going. Ah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I want to say don't want to say too much, but we we do one of his songs in the set. Mm. I don't do covers, but this there's a special moment, and I was keen to see it anyway. I've got tickets to go and see Barry Manilow, so we'll see. Watch the space, see if I can wangle getting to have a photo taken with him. Do you enjoy going to see other people, and when you? Because I have a friend who's a singer. No names, Michelle. <laughs> and uh, I remember she went to see Celine Dion and I was um, at the same concert were you and I said so are you looking forward to it Michelle I said because how, how do you feel about mm. seeing a woman that's made a living from touring arenas and, and holding a tune and uh, <laughs> she went oh it was absolutely terrible I got recognised and I had to leave so apparently she got mobbed well, yeah, apparently, I could, yeah. So, um, do you ever have those experiences where you're recognised and that kind of ruins the night? It or? happens quite a lot. It, it, it's like um, because I've got quite a long sort of um, uh, so so. Who did I go and see? Um, somebody got me tickets to see Texas, and and I went in this other door, and there was a, a family in front of me, and this man was just standing with his mouth wide, mouth wide open, and he's going, "Oh my God, is it you?" I'm going, it is me. <laughs> Horse, oh my God, oh my God. And his wife's going, she, he's such a big fan. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, oh my God, oh, oh. I said, so you're coming to see Texas, you're coming to see Charlene, you're coming to see me in a couple of weeks' time. He was like, oh, where are you playing? <gasps> no. Like, yeah, so I had to sort of tell him where I was. But anyway, we ended up with a photograph being mm-hmm. taken. But mm. I, people do have quite um, shaky and it's usually men, actually. They're all mm-hmm. shaky. Oh, my God, it's horse. Oh, oh. And I'm like, that's to me, that's a big compliment. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I, I've, my gu- previous guitarist, Gordon, whenever we were travelling and we'd be on a plane somewhere, he goes, oh, I said, every time, no matter where we go, there's always somebody recognises horse. We came back from Australia and we were, in the, we were walking through the airport and this whole family, oh, my God, it's horse. And he's like, oh, here we go again, you know. But it's not being mobbed, being recognised. Mm. I think it's a really amazing thing, mm-hmm. you know. 
I think it's I'm really grateful for people recognising me and in such a really excited way. I was recognised at Steps in Aberdeen, but it was by someone that works in my father's care home. Oh, lovely! So it's for different reasons, <laughs> but I know it's nice to be recognised. <laughs> she went, "Oh my God, it's Brian's son!" I went, Shh, "Could you keep that quiet?" Yeah, yeah. You know, no photos. <laughs> <laughs> but do you find it odd in as much as you're just you know you're just you when you're you that you do you find that other people but you have see, a different? The way I react to people is I'm just myself with yeah. people. So mm-hmm. I think I was going to say it's a double-edged sword. When I'm with my, when I'm singing and performing, mm-hmm. it's like these are my pals. Yeah, mm-hmm. I chat as if we know each other. Mm-hmm. So they then assume that we sort of know each other. Mm-hmm. So their re- their reaction to me is like this is somebody they know. Yeah, yes, you know of I'm course. not a stranger to them mm-hmm. because they've been to shows. Because anybody that's bought records. Um, has undoubtedly been to see a show. So they recognise me as the person that chats to them. Yeah. You know, and I mean, one woman said, oh, I couldn't, I was really ill, so I didn't stay behind to have my usual chat with you. And I thought, I'm not even chatting to fans just now, what do you mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's something well, that... Lorraine was saying that, we had her on um, the other week and she was just saying that she thinks it's lovely that people will come up in the supermarket and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Lorraine's been in one of your videos, hasn't she? She has, yes. Yeah. Something wicked. And she is with <laughs> a drink in her. Oh, nasty, wicked. nasty. I know, Lorraine. I, was, I stayed down there a few weeks ago when I was in hospital, I stayed down there. But um, to me, she's someone, I feel a wee bit protective of her because she came to, uh, she's been to a few of my shows, but one of the smaller ones, an acoustic one I was doing in Dundee, she came along with Steve and there was people outside. I saw her, she came, ran back to say hello before she set off and um, I heard her downstairs and a wee crowd gathered mm-hmm. and she stood and she chatted yeah. to her. And I'd already, I'd taken a great care to make sure that there was security kind of brought her in Absolutely. somewhere so it wouldn't cause a stir for her and all that stuff. But you're right, she doesn't bother. She's, no, no. But Steve will bother. Steve will sort of steer her away and yeah. keep her because she's not changed. Mm-hmm. No, and I no, think, that, like true. you say, the people you know see Lorraine as her pal, and you know, so. But she would be though. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. You can't. There's too many people for her. Mm-hmm. Like, there's too many people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So. And you can't get around everyone. No. And sometimes you just want to get to where you're going. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just want to nip in the supermarket, well, like, buy a pint of milk and go. Well, <laughs> see, when, when I go, I haven't this tour, I haven't met fans afterwards, I always like to say hello to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a practical level, it's difficult. I'm tired. Um, the last Queen's Hall show we did, November 2019, was the first Same Sky show, and then we never went out again. <laughs> but, um, you know, that queue took me an hour and a half to get through. And I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted, because they want to stand and chat to you. Yeah. But I can't do that. Mm-hmm. The audience at Theatre Royal on um, Sunday, I thought maybe I could just sort of come down and say a quick hello, but I'm thinking, no, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I might be mobbed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a massive audience, so I don't know mm-hmm. how I can cope with that. So, um, yeah, I don't know how you manage that. I know that people like um, uh, Katie Lang or whatever, they charge £150, £250, £300 to say hello to them afterwards. That doesn't that, sit that, easily with that me. That makes me feel queasy, the very Yeah, that doesn't sit easily with me at all. But how on, earth do you, money. how on earth do you police it or choose mm-hmm. who gets to see you? So it's, it's a bit hard. I think that's the reason they do do it, because no, they can basically say, right, there's a ticket, by the way, your cattle. And I say, perfectly up to mm. the individual, more for you for paying for it, as mm. I see. It was really interesting. I went to see Bianca Del Rio when she was in Edinburgh, and she'd done a meet and greet in the beginning. Now, this was interesting, because what she did with the meet and greet people, who, by the way, have paid however many hundreds of pounds to see could you write down a question for the last part of the show? So the last 15 minutes of her show, no offence, Bianca, but it was a disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, was the questions. And it's like, oh my God, not only have they bought a ticket, but they've paid a premium fee. And now they're writing your material with no money. Uh That was like someone to me the other day that shall remain nameless and the shall remain nameless. Could you just give me a couple of your one-liners? And I said, well, absolutely not. I don't have any. And can you stop giving away stuff for free on Instagram? But is that a thing as well? Do you know that when people create that (laughs) mystery... No, well, shut up. When people create that mystery that you're kind of elusive, that that then people kind of, that creates that huge celebrity because people kind of get, you know, obsessive. Whereas if you're too accessible, then people take you for granted. I think, because if you think about when Madonna was famous, famous, right? And I'm mm-hmm. talking 1990, blonde ambition, really the most famous mm. woman in the world and no one could get near her, right? Mm. People are prepared to pay anything to be near the famous person because yeah. they want it 
for a picture. Yeah. It comes back to everything has to be digitized. They need proof. And if they, you know, you hear people, uh, it, homos are the worst for it, right? They're on the train going to London and their heads are like that. First class, I'm in the first class, but we're in the lounge. We're in the lounge. And you're like, yeah, and you're wearing your Louboutins, aren't you? You good little poof, well done. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we're in the lounge. We've got an upgrade. How, how did you get an upgrade on a flight to London? You maybe got fingered uh, in the toilet. Uh, you didn't get an upgrade. Like, stop it. But that's the whole thing that people do. And it's to make out as though that they're doing better. Mm -hmm. I don't think famous people are bothered about Mystique anymore. I think they're just like, if you're I willing to pay 300 quid, give me your money. But that's a race to the bottom. And I hate the idea that then that puts more division and the thing between... For someone in the arts, yeah, you hate them. But, but, but just between, well, it's just, again, it's pandering to people who can afford to pay the money but to But that's the way the world is and you can't change Well, that. it makes me sick. Was oh, it, well, it, it's the kind of, it's the knife edge that I'm on at the moment because the audience numbers are going up and up. Yeah, yeah. And it's not practical for me to do a two-hour show no, and then, and then meet people, people for two and hours. No, 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 absolutely. Um, and also, besides which, when you're touring with the band, etc., it's so nice to just, the show to come down and just to just take a deep breath and settle down with the band. It's like a family. We're like a family. And yeah. I've been able to do that this time, whereas mm. Ordinary, it's like, right, I need to go and do me up. Sorry, guys. Yeah. And and then I don't see them. And, mm. and you know, it's... We're, we're kind of united that way. Yeah. So I just don't know how to manage it. That doesn't sit easily with me to charge mm. people money. My ticket prices have only just started to go up now. Mm. They've been pretty much the same price for years because I go, oh, could I afford that? <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of going, how much does it cost to put this tour on? Absolutely. How much does it cost to do the show? Do you think that's a Scottish thing though? Mm. I, I genuinely mm. think that's a lot to do with, like, I can remember, you know, my mum saying things like, you're no better than you ought to be, uh -huh. and, you know, don't stick your head above the parapet and don't do this. Whereas if you were, say, you were someone from America and you had a manager mm. and they'd be like that, bitch, you're not paying, you know, $10 at the Roxy, no, $100. And all that decision-making is made for there, you. There is a kind of... Um, if you charge not enough or not very much, there's a kind of, um, it's almost a judgment almost. If you charge more. You yeah. Yeah. If you yeah, charge like, oh, a lot oh, more. Oh, it's cheap. It must be shit. I, I, was, yeah. I was asked to go and talk about Adele uh, charging more money uh, for tickets, etc., And I actually looked into it and she charges the same as Elton John. Mm. And and the music industry has changed um, because the, the pyramid of which she's the top of mm -hmm. um, has got, bigger so you've got more feeders mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so record companies have been added to live shows now they, they, there's a 360 degree degree deals where someone is completely tied in 360 degree madonna was tied into one of those where they get her merchandise you know they get is that with live nation yeah probably yeah because then she was just getting a flat fee for That's turning it. it's a buyer uh, yeah. yeah you know and so what happens is people go oh my god so it all comes down to the person that pays for it as the person buying the ticket you know but people are going why is it so much why is Adele charging I can't remember was it 700 quid Something. I can't remember that yeah. but I went and looked and Elton John was charging 700 quid you know and I'm thinking okay why is that it's like it's because she's at that stage. Of, who does she think she is? Mm -hmm. Oh, she's, yeah, she's yeah, just yeah, yeah. this daft lassie from yeah. you know Essex or somewhere, and you know, and and there's that she, there's that. Whereas El Elton John's just gone past mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, but Elton John's kind of turned into Liza Minnelli in the fact that he can yeah. no longer sing. <laughs> did you not watch one of those lockdowns and he was like screaming and straining da and you thought you were about to kick yourself? Da 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 da. It was horrible. Well, Paul said Lennon Glastonbury and he's 80 he can't sing. and he can't sing. He said Lennon Glastonbury. Yeah, Paul Young has had so many operations. Elton John's, the reason he can't sing is he had so many operations on his vocal cords. Mm -hmm. I've well, had one. Julie I've Andrews. had one and I've still got a scar. Well, yeah. she had during her operation they they actually made a mistake and that's so oh was, no yeah I lost her voice through that I, I just can't picture anything worse um, but I mean Elton John's had a few operations now and and what it does is it scars your cords mm. so Paul Young don't ever go and listen to Paul Young. I mean, no disrespect, Paul, but you know, you just can't <laughs> sing anymore. But, but that's just, the thing, and that's honest, and it's true. And because again, people don't like to say that. Well, Same with money, people don't like Tony to mention Bennett it. Is eighty? Oh, that needs to stop. Well, and no, I don't no, care if that is involved. No, he's eighty-five. I went to see him, and he can still sing. He can still sing, but um, he 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 sings a verse bridge chorus. Next song, verse bridge chorus. His band are on for about an hour and a half before him. 
but I went to see him because I thought I want to see Tony yeah. Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to see Salon Delon because um, I think as a singer, she's a singer singer, and I watched. I went to because I obviously went the same one as Michelle. I went to see it because I thought I want to see her sing mm-hmm. as a singer because she is incredible, an incredibly talented singer. Mm-hmm. I don't care about all the other nonsense that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to see that as as a singer. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was incredible, you know. So, I mean, I went to see um, uh, New Day. I saw him. I think it was, I think that might even have been at the Theatre Royal. It might have been. I went to see him because he was New Day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there are people who have got so far um, and they're icons that I think people will pay to go to the ends of the earth to see mm. someone. It's it's like Madonna. We were talking about Madonna with someone else. I don't I mean, know what's happened to Madonna. I, no, neither do I. I mean, and that is their journey, by the way. But the fact of the matter was that in the 80s and early 90s, she could carry a chain. She mm-hmm. could sing that, and that's gone now. I think she's an incredible writer. I think that's, that bothers me that she's never been recognised as a writer. She's Whether they're co-writes or not means nothing, because it was. I think Liam Gallagher was going on and Taylor on about... Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, putting Taylor Swift down and it, because she co-wrote with somebody, but she wrote. I mean, uh, my first album, Same Skies, me and Angela, most of the songs are co-writes. Mm-hmm. People don't give a monkeys, basically. Is it a good song? Ed Sheeran uh-huh. wrote with Amy Wodge and, and that first album. Um, and and she's now been writing. She wrote the song with um, uh, Astronaut um, with uh, the Eurovision entry. She co-wrote uh-huh. that. But did Liam Gallagher not have a bit of a cheek? Were they not sued by Gary Glitter, of all people, for stealing material? God, you're on a theme today, aren't you? Yeah, but Ga- Gary so. Glitter, actually, I don't keep... Did he ever do any writing? I don't know. I think that's or the least of it, and I'd like this edited out the podcast. <laughs> no, but Liam, the Hotel. were quite often accused of... Plagiarising. There's a lot of plagiarism. I would think it'd be more likely to be the Beatles that they plagiarised, especially the string arrangements that mm-hmm. are on their music. Mm. Um, but it's a bit pompous, really. Well, you just kind yeah. of think you're a man of a certain age and, you know, are you relevant? Are you no longer relevant, etc. And why are you having a go at someone that is at the peak, probably, of her powers and having a great time? And people love her, Taylor. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, somebody sitting on their, their ivory tower shouting at people. You know, when was the last time you did a successful record? Exactly. You know, There's... I mean, because, you know, I... Uh, I think everyone's got different taste. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just because, you know, you don't like that person's music doesn't mean to say that it's not good. It's just that you don't like it. And I think um, music that's created these days, um, the only bugbear I would have is certainly younger artists coming up. They all sing with the same voice and it sounds like they come from girl. Their voice goes, it goes down the back of the throat and I don't understand what's happening. Do you mean Cher? No, nope. nope. <laughs> whom I've been compared to many times. No, that's... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I've been compared to her a few times, but no, it's a thing that's... Uh, people often say to me, oh, what would you say to people? You know, what advice would you give to people? The one piece of advice is try and find out who you are. Okay. Not, you know, follow the latest trend or try to sound like that person because record companies, Spotify, they use algorithms... And and what they do is they're looking for something that's successful, and and all they're doing is recreating what already exists. And it's taken me years to have a voice that just sounds like me. Mm. I but don't then, sound like anyone else. Someone who had a very distinctive voice, and I think walked away to it was Billy McKenzie when he got oh, in that taxi God, from I don't the, his voice. Yeah, and I, I just don't think that the world was ready for his work because there was the ambiguity about gender, sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Um, in the same way, you forget what a great lyricist, writer and vocalist boy George is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think he's been through his journey and he, he always was outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, nothing phases him. He, he he will say what he thinks. He's a much more chilled character because I'm good friends with um, Helen Terry that used to sing. Does she live in Perth? She, uh, she lives in Calendar. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I've known um, known Helen for years. Because she was backing vocals on Church of the Poison Mind. In the Church of the Poison Mind. I mean, I, I don't know that from experience. I've Googled. 
Cheers. I met them. I met I met uh, George and I met Helen and the rest of the band um, at Rooftops in Glasgow in 1982, wow. where we were opening for them, and they had just gone to number one with um, "Do You Really Want to Hurt Me?" Uh-huh. And Helen was moaning. She was going. He said, won't let me keep my outfit. She was like that. She's pissed off because he wouldn't let they wouldn't let her keep her outfit, which was a bit weird. Is she Scottish? No, no, she's no. she's. I think she's from Essex. She's from England anyway, south mm. south of England. Um, and we did two shows that day, and and then she was a producer on Motormouth, and I met her for that at that. Um, and uh, I, I distinctly remember it was one of my first experiences of realizing that the audience were closer than I kind of had taken into consideration mm-hmm. so I was like on the stage singing away and I felt this thing in my foot and it was like some week because the fir- afternoon was the matinee for kids oh. and I felt someone stuck their finger I had a hole in my shoe <laughs> and they were sticking their finger they were leaning across the stage and sticking their finger in the hole in my shoe and I was like whoa okay there goes the myth that people on stage are untouchable um, oh my god we've gone from train toilets to shoe fingering <laughs> this is this we've really plumbed the depths hang niche I know I know but you know, um, I mean that's that is when you learn your trade in front of an audience. Yeah. I, I think that's there's a real um, missing element from music today where everyone expects to get something for nothing. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't they they see this music they expect expecting it for free, um, and they don't appreciate um, the time and the effort um, to making a piece of music. But they mm-hmm. feel it belongs to them. Again, with that Adele question, she actually wanted the shuffle button removed from Spotify for her new album, which is her prerogative. And anyway, if you pay your money, you can put it in whatever order you want, really. Mm-hmm. So it was just a bit of ridiculous thing. This is for people who get their stuff for free. And the BBC said, well, you want to comment on this? We'll, we'll call you and ask you to comment. And I, I, again, I like to do wee homework so I don't sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at it and, and I looked on this Twitter feed and this this girl came in and she went, how dare Adele tell me what to do with my music? And I'm like, <gasps> hello, um, oh, it's her freaking music, like, love. And that's what I mean. There's a there's a missing element yeah, for people. They've grown up disconnect. getting stuff. They want something, they can have it yeah. for free. They don't have to pay for anything. This this is not, the, this is yeah. the music is theirs. They can have oh. it if they want it. They, they, they don't understand you know, the whole development of something. They don't understand the process. No. No, but they also expect it for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't, it's like um, people's, um, God, what, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that's sort of missing from life. It's like, you know, I want it, I can have it. But that's the whole thing. That's why I say that I, the reason I hate people is because largely they're stupid and selfish. Have you got two dates left? Um, well, literally just this weekend. I don't know when... You're going out, but um, Sunday is at the Theatre Royal, and then there's one other show at um, Queen's Hall, which is a best of the best. Because and when is that? Queen's Hall is the 24th of June, right? And um, it's pretty much as many sort of top horse songs, just to not lay everything to rest. But um, I've done 25th anniversary of the so 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 the second. This is the first album I'm talking about. The second album's 30th anniversary is next year. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and so are you going to film it? Are you going to film? There is a DVD it? of the Queen's Hall from mm-hmm. uh, the Same Sky Show. There mm-hmm. is a DVD for that. I am going to film the best of the best yeah. at Queen's Hall again. Um, but it's time to move on because I've got new music. Uh-huh. I've got new. I've been working on a new album, and there's a single out just now called Leaving. And it's there's a re- there was a single out, and then I did a radio mix for the first time ever. Broke my piggy bank open, and it's been mixed by a guy called Soren Anderson. And to quote Soren Anderson, it's a banger, horse. It's a banger. <laughs> he's from Norway. <laughs> Who's he remixed? Because I'd recognise that name. Amy McDonald. He's, he's mixed loads of people. He does radio. He specialises yeah. in radio mixes. But it, he's done a great mix of the track Leaving. Leaving is my FU song. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an empowering song. Do it's you, like, I'm not going to, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. My song, yes. Do you think with, um, as you say, the anniversary, you'll do a Kylie and collaborate with Magnum in the way that she has done on Can't Get You Out of My Head? <laughs> I, I remember. And get Peggy Goo to remix it. Oh, God. Um, I don't. I saw the two of them in a, a feature a couple of days ago on an Instagram thing of both of them dancing. Oh, they were at Cannes, yeah. Mm. 
So, yes, it was, yeah. Whereas we've got largs. Oh, I like largs. I'm a big always fan of largs. Have largs. I like going for a walk down I, there. I've had a bad experience and it wasn't to do with a seagull. But we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Horse, it has been amazing talking been to you. It talking to you. I could talk about anything, me. <laughs> but you just have been so honest. Yes. So it's good to know that. Would you say that this period that you're in, before we go, is one of the better periods that you've experienced? Yes, I think so. I think I'm really getting to know myself. So not only have I got my voice back, I'm actually going to use it. Mm -hmm, I think right. this is the thing that you don't... Because you do seem different and in a great way yeah. from the last time that I saw you. You don't seem flustered. You seem very chilled. No, I'm very chilled. I'm, I just can't wait to go on with things. Yeah. I think the only thing I'd say is like after two years of lockdown, being physically not doing, although I did walk for miles and miles, but... Mm -hmm really just not moving even just mentally not moving yeah. so suddenly all of us are yeah. expected to get back up to the speed we were at before mm. I think I'm realising A I can't do it physically or mentally mm -hmm. I need to look after myself more and enjoy the moment yeah and be present and be, be present. present and be in the dressing room because you never know who's going to turn up <laughs> <laughs> thank, oh, thank you so much thank you so much it's a pleasure thank you doll and thank you for the biscuits that's yeah. Now you say get the kettle on. See the bully. I'm going for a fag. Oh, there's a surprise. Goodness. You know, we've just had music royalty in, but no, get that pocket ashtray out. You tramp. Thanks, horse. Honestly, Thank it's a pleasure. You. Thank you. Uh, the thing with me is you just got to stop me talking. Oh, the thing with Georgia, you've got to stop her smoking. Yeah, I know. Well, that's never going to happen. So, right. Oof. Cheers. Cheers.